In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Today, Jesus is weeping because in some sense, Jesus has failed. I know it sounds strange, but it is in fact true. Last week was a great triumph for Jesus. After being baptized, Jesus was having his very first Lent, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Hungry and tired and inexperienced as a Messiah, Jesus appeared vulnerable. So the devil, whom we learned was a liar, came to befriend him and betray him, trying to convince Jesus that he could touch evil and still survive. But by following the Holy Spirit who had come to, it, come to him at his baptism, that is, by saying yes to holy things and no to unholy things, Jesus survived both the liar and the lie. And he was then strengthened for the holy ministry. Last week was a great victory. But who knew there would be days like this? Today Jesus is weeping, and he is weeping because in some sense Jesus has failed. Maybe Jesus doesn't feel the failure quite so much when it comes to Herod. Herod was a vicious man. He was a murderer who, like his father, had been threatening to kill Jesus from the start. But Jesus defies Herod by doing the work his heavenly father had given him to do at his baptism. That is, changing the world and changing us. So maybe Jesus doesn't feel the failure quite so much with Herod. After all, no man can make another man believe, not even Jesus. And so today Jesus moves on, leaving King Herod to his own fate. It would be harder to say that Jesus does not feel the failure when it comes to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that Jerusalem had a long and brutal history of killing its pastors. And after his transfiguration, when Jesus turned and set his face toward that city, when there was no going back, Jesus knew that he would end up dead. Still, Jesus never stopped trying to gather them and embrace them as his own children. So later in Holy Week, when they finally forced his hands open and then left them empty on the cross with no embrace, there was more to the pain than just the nails. Today Jesus is weeping because in some sense he has failed. Consider his disciples. For three years Jesus was with them as their spiritual father, as their rabbi, as their catechist, as their pastor. But when the chips were down, what did they say and do? Like so many other kids, Peter takes his first communion one day, and then the very next day, Peter is caught in mortal sin, denying Christ. And Judas? Judas is this week's liar. Judas did with a single kiss 
what the devil could not do in 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. With a single kiss, Judas both befriended and betrayed the Son of God. No wonder Jesus weeps today. So much for a fruitful Lent. I wonder if you have ever stopped to consider that with your failures, you make Jesus a failure. When folks see us, they should see him. But how has that gone for us lately? Say, if anybody should have peeked in on our conversations these last few years, in the hallways, in the bleachers, in the parking lots, or even at the voters' meetings, there is no doubt that after that, Jesus has spent some time these last few years weeping over us. But twice in the gospel for today, Jesus says that he will press on through today and through tomorrow and then on to the third day. For us, in the church, the third day is always Easter. It is always a day of resurrection. And so the good news for all of you is that there is still a chance Still a chance to stop the tears, both his and ours. Still a chance to be raised up and to become what we were always meant to be. We can't change ourselves. If we know anything at all as Christians, we know that we can't change ourselves. That's pretty clear. Only grace can change us. And as we've heard so often in these past weeks, grace is not a thing. Grace is the presence of a person. Grace is the presence of Christ. So take St. Peter. One day after his first communion, he is an abject failure. But then, when he hears impossible news... He runs to the tomb and he sees that it is empty. And by the end of that first Easter day, St. Peter is believing and loving without reserve. What changed him? Only grace can change us. Only grace can raise us up and change us into what we were always meant to be. We are the baptized. And because of that, like Jesus himself, we bear the Holy Spirit. And so today with St. Peter, we too celebrate the resurrection, just as every Sunday and every Eucharist celebrates the living presence of the risen Christ right here, right now in our midst. And yet when you wake up tomorrow, it will still be Lent with Christ here as our spiritual father, as our rabbi, our pastor, our catechist. And we here as his catechumens, his novices, his pupils, his children, his brood. That means even in horrible failure, there is still a chance. And even through failure, we might bear fruit. For us, there is still hope because there is still grace. 
the grace of the presence of Christ that changes us so that nothing goes on as it did before. What does Christ want from you? Lent is a time for introspection, for self-examination, for confession, for forgiveness, and also for restitution. As Lutherans, we regularly forget about that. Lent is a time for tears. And frankly, Christ wants to bring us to tears. That is the work of the law. But Lent is also always a time of preparation. Preparation for resurrection, for transformation, for new life, for change, for tomorrow. And so it is a time for tears to be dried as we begin, like Peter, to move toward the tomb and then beyond into a useful life, a life that is useful to Christ, that bears the fruit of repentance and pleases him. That is the work of the gospel, the work of his grace, the work of his presence, the presence of a person in flesh and blood who is the Son of God. What does Christ want? He wants to stop the tears. Christ wants us to be a community, a family, to be gathered around him as a hen gathers chicks, a community, a family, so we are never alone or unloved, so that we are always one with him. What does Christ want? He wants us to welcome him and all that he is, his grace, his person, his presence, especially through his liturgy, that is, through his word and his sacraments, especially through his Holy Eucharist, what Christ wants is that we do not crucify him again. What he wants is that we receive him with the words he specifies in the gospel for today. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What Christ wants is the same thing he wants for any family, any, any, any congregation, any community, any catechumenate. Each of these has its own rubric. Any community has a rule, it has a way, and Christ's way is very simple. This is Christ's way. This is what it is to be a Christian. Touch the things that are holy and do not touch the things that are unholy. That's what the Christian life boils down to. Yes to holy things, no to unholy things. And now you have three possible responses. If you are Herod and still hard-hearted, Jesus will move on. After today, as he moves, this is your last best chance. If you are Jerusalem, still resisting, you should know that Christ will eventually let you kill him. But killing him will doom you to a life of dysfunction. You will always be alone and you will always be unloved. You will forever have your own way. 
But if you are a catechumen, and if you are willing to have a Lent, a time of introspection, if you are willing to be taught, if you are a disciple willing to learn, if you are a dead man ready to be raised, if you will have his Lent as your Lent and have him as your grace, then Jesus is here again for you this morning, especially in his Eucharist, and Jesus will raise you from the dead and dry your tears and teach you and stand by you and strengthen you and use you and bless you and most of all, Jesus will give you a future. I pray this is what happens to you, that today you will let yourselves be gathered and be blessed together as one and live together in holy love as his resurrected church. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.